coming back this week to an extra special, extra spooky episode of Library Land Loves. I'm really hoping I can get some audio in there that sounds spooky, but if not, imagine some spooky audio right now. This episode is coming out the week of Halloween, and I thought there was no better time than this time of year to bring together some of my favorite teen librarians to talk about Halloween programming. So today I am excited to welcome Cameron Ray, Senior Department Head from Toronto Public Library, and Brooke Windsor, Teen Services Librarian from Stratford Public Library, and they are both current co-chairs of the Child and Youth Committee here at OLA. And they're also helping to organize this year's Child and Youth Expo, which we will talk a little bit about. So stick around, we'll be right back to talk about spectacular library programming ideas. Hello to Brooke and Cameron. Welcome. Hi. Hello. It's so nice to have you here. How are you doing? Great. I'm ready for a spooktacular time. I am also ready so for excited. a spooktacular time. And thank you, Michelle, for thinking of us. Um, oh, yes. We get to spend a lot of time working with you, but not working with you. So Adjacent. Yeah, this kind of thing is always very exciting where we get to fraternize and discuss the great work that we're doing with the child and youth expo which every year i say is the best and i think every year i mean it because every year we outdo ourselves two virtual days it's gonna be incredible do you want to tell us a little bit about some of the highlights and things people should keep an eye out for this year i'm most excited about the uh, panel on authentic authentic representation versus tokenism where we've got some major big people this year because it's virtual uh so we have ben philippe uh, we have. I'm so excited for him. I am very excited. I can't believe he said yes. Like I had to go through his like manager's assistant. Tell me more. Who is Ben Philippe? Why are you so <gasps> excited about him? Who he is an African American author who has written some really probing and insightful novels, YA novels about the Black American experience, mm-hmm. um, and and how but sort in of, a really fun and funny way. Yeah, like he is very. That's what I love. I, like, I guess it's kind of like John Hughes meets John Waters. Yes, I would always think John Hughes when I think of him. Yeah, but like definitely there is a kooky, quirky, fun sensibility that you don't get with a lot of other YA authors. Hmm. And so we are we are probing to find out what authors and creators do to avoid tokenism and have authentic voices. And that mm-hmm. what can we as librarians do to highlight those voices and to make sure that they're properly displayed and that we are not you know like putting out the tokenist book because it's the only one we got um Mm -hmm. that we would curate the collection more seriously because that's what we know that that's what we need for children and youth are excellent voices that are reflecting what is happening culturally it sounds like a great panel what else is happening in day one Uh, There's so much going on. Like, we really wanted to focus on having a good time, um, on leaving the blahs behind, and just Mm -hmm. professional development that's fun, that's topical, that's quirky, and really will reach... Like, what I hope is that every session people attend, they will walk away with something that has made them think, yes, this is why I'm a librarian. I want to change the world this way. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So I'm very excited. And then, Brooke, if you want to talk about day two. 
Well, day two, we are actually diving into uh, authors and books. So day one, we're you know focusing a lot on programs mm-hmm. and services, and then day two, we're actually having a bunch of different authors and readers advisory stuff. Essentially, RA in a day focused on youth was the goal for day two. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we've got some great people and some great things that we're pulling out. Um, we've got the, the picture book celebration, which uh, has several authors who are coming out with picture books, including uh, Carrie Lynn Winters. Um, she's going to be there talking, you know, like what she puts in a picture book to make it accessible for, you know, that entire age range. Because when you think of picture books, that's a big age range to cover right there. And Mm -hmm. it usually includes parents too. So how do you make something entertaining for everybody? And that is definitely something that can, you know, easily transfer to librarianship when we try to, you know, make something for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We've also got some really amazing uh, indigenous sessions. Um, Nancy Cooper is going to come and talk to us. We're also doing a session on um, indigenous ways of learning in the classroom. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, that one's going to oh, be really yes. exciting. Honestly, a really very packed day two. And it's going to start with Joel Sutherland, which we all love Joel. Oh, we all much. love Joel. Joel is yeah. so fantastic. master general. Yeah. All right. Well, that sounds really great. And that's happening on November 2nd and 3rd for yeah. those who want to join. It is virtual, so we're hoping that we get child and youth librarians from across the country joining us and uh, you can find more information i'll put a link in the show notes and there's more information on the ola website as well thanks for chatting about that brook and cam but let's move into the meat the spooky meat of our conversation today so our top five list the top five list that you're bringing top five plus a bonus is halloween programs probably a little too late for people to put these into place for this year but some good inspiration and these are the top five programs that you have run for teens around halloween okay cool who's gonna start us off i'm gonna start us off and i'm gonna start off with my most successful um halloween program became a regular program during the year which i called uh you know fear in the stacks but you could call it chills in the stacks screams in the stacks you know whatever you want and um all I do is I just show a scary movie and then we talk about it. And it's simple. It's elegant. Um, you know, like you can find lots of PG-13 scary films that are totally library friendly. And I mean, I would recommend watching them first and vetting them just to make sure. I had an amazing conversation with a group of young people when we watched the original Candyman. Like, I mean, that is a scary movie. That movie terrified me the first time I saw it. But I was not aware of the allegorical content of the film, which is, you know, the the Black movement and the feminist movement in history have Mm. paralleled each other, but never aligned. And so it was really interesting to sort of talk to them about this history that is then provocatively Mm. displayed in this film. And there's tons of films like that, like the original Night of the Living Dead is all about racism in our society. Um, you know, Promising Young Woman, you probably couldn't show, but I think you should because it's such an important movie about um, sexual assault and, and claiming your history. Um, and so like it's, it's like, I mean, there are tons of films that you can get that are license free 
you can stream them through different things. I mean, this was like a decade ago, so I rented. And like you, you really develop a relationship with the teens because they yeah. love to be scared. And then you as, you know, sort of the uh, curator can show them the great stuff. Yeah. And then leave the mm -hmm. other stuff to the side that's not as great, right? So The Ring, um, still as scary yeah. today as it was back then, even though VCRs yeah. aren't a thing anymore. So in this, in this program idea, Fear in the Stacks, mm -hmm. the teens are coming into the library. Um, are you doing anything similar to this, like with pandemic in mind is there a, a, a virtual equivalent to this or do we even want to touch on that i wish there was a virtual equivalent but there's not and i don't know like but so, i mean there are other things that you could do like you could have uh, a virtual meetup with the teens where you tell scary stories uh you could show yeah. like short scary films from youtube uh there's lots of stuff out there that you can creatively do that sort of captures the same um air but isn't directly the same thing um i'm curious how many libraries are doing outdoor programming like this right now like you that'd be great to, it, the weather in oh, ontario absolutely. anyway is warm enough yeah. right now that would be super cool we will be talking about that in a little bit when we get to another program <laughs> oh okay well ooh, i don't want to I don't want to yeah, get ahead sure. of myself all right so should we move on to okay. number two so then? number two is of okay. course the classic zombie survival night um I've done presentations about this, oh gosh, several times at this point. Um, I do know that the last uh, in-person super conference we had, apparently uh, we got so loud running around and screaming and laughing that uh, the people who were next door to us uh, were like, we wish we would have gone to that one. <laughs> So. Yes, I recall it. I recall the complaints. Yes, there were a couple of complaints. Um, but the thing that you need to think about is that's creating a unique experience for teens. You know, you are letting them run around and scream in the library, which is something they don't normally get to do. Mm -hmm. And so just allowing that for a short period of time creates something very unique, mm -hmm. um, which when it comes to teens, that's really what you have to do to get the numbers because mm. there's so many options yeah they can stay at home they can stream stuff on netflix they can go out to a movie they have hockey games they have so much stuff that they can do even in pandemic times that you know creating something unique is really what's going to make a teen program sing yeah. and so for zombie survival night it is sort of like an escape room a treasure hunt with flag tag thrown in um, essentially in teams of five, they have to go around and complete a variety of tasks, including like solving different puzzles. Um, uh, one of my personal favorites has been, uh, translating a Morse code recording. So they actually have to sit down and figure out what the Morse code says. Whoever completes all the challenges first correctly is the winner. I usually do offer a prize because again, they're teenagers and actual prize is very valuable. Yep. Um, but in the midst of all this, you know, figuring stuff out, there are library staff who are chasing them, trying to pull flags at their waist. Oh. Yes. Uh, if uh, the librarian ends up pulling somebody's flag, that means they've been bitten and one of their teammates has to volunteer their flag and they have to handcuff to each other for the rest of the game. Wow. <laughs> yes. This um, is true pre-pandemic programming. Oh. I can't oh, gosh, wait to get is. back to being handcuffed to someone. 
Um, so yeah, we're doing it after hours. We're taking over the whole library. Um, the makerspace uh, librarian is helping me set up this cool light board. So we're gonna have like these red lights everywhere. It's it's gonna be killer. Love it. That sounds mm -hmm. great. All right, zombie survival night is our number two. What's our number three? Um, so my favorite for me it would be the special effects makeup. Um, this is such a great program. You can generally hire a special effects makeup person, like, you know, for a reasonable fee. And then they come in and they show them how to do like gashes and cuts and scars and falling out eyeballs and all that delicious Halloween goodness. And yeah. uh, it's such a thrill for the teens because yeah. they get to go around looking like they're maimed. And they love it and they get attention yes. from it and they freak people oh, out. And it's it's so great to be able to have this kind yeah. of program, which not only supports what they may want to do professionally, but just shows them how easy it is to do that kind of special mm -hmm. makeup. They can do it themselves at home. And it's really, it's a lot of fun. It's so much fun. And I love sitting in on it and I love watching them gross each other out. And like the things that they will come up with like they want to have like, you know, a fork in their eyeball. And of course we can't do that on the day. Right. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, a scar or two or a cut, but then it, it, it inspires them to find out how to do more and how to make it. It's, it's, it's engaging, it's yeah. fun, and it's fun to freak out the older library users. I'm sorry, but it's true. It's well, true. and you know, this is such a huge, like, YouTube, yeah. Instagram, TikTok trend is the, the makeup application and the freaking people out of the different, you know, when they do weird things with the neck and oh God. But yeah, it's such a huge trend. It'd be so great. The problem with that trend is trying to do it by yourself at home. And so yes. to be able to go to a program yeah. where there's a professional there to help you, I mean, that's amazing. And giving them the the equipment yeah. and any sort of material. Makeup, the brushes. Right, and it, like once again, it, it's, it's, it, it, it it's a stopgap, right? For like, you know, people who couldn't afford necessarily to go buy those expensive things, they can hear from a source where to get them cheap. Yeah. You know, like places to go. And, you know, as, yeah. as with almost every teen program in the library, it bonds those teens together to the library. That's so great. Yes. Well done. All right. What's our number four? Oh, what is our number four? Oh, the Ghost Story concert. Okay, now we're going back to what we're doing outdoors. Yay! Um, so this uh, next week on Thursday, we are taking something I've done before, which is a Ghost Story concert and doing it out um, at the Upper Queens Park Band Shell. So um, basically it's, it's this outside venue. They are letting me use it, even though it's, you know, technically out of season because they, they stop really doing stuff in the park that late mm -hmm. in the year but again it gets dark early so we're going to be out there at like seven o'clock and the best thing about this is that it's the teens becoming storytellers yeah. so they get volunteer hours for this I basically train them from the ground up we're not reading books we're not reading from a page we are learning a story and then learning to perform a story mm. oh yes um so it's, and it's really just a great way to get people in the Halloween mood, to creep them out. We do have a couple of special sound effects that are, I think, really going to scare people. Nice. And 
I mean, the teens that, that do this, like we had actually our, our final rehearsal before the day of last night and I got goosebumps. I know the stories and I got goosebumps <laughs> and because they get so into it. And the fact is that they are learning a lot of skills from this, not just ghost stories, but presentation skills, performance skills, public speaking skills, and it's just great. It's one of my favorite things to do. And the fact is, is that we get to do it outside this year because, you know, COVID's going on. But I think at night in a creepy park is going to be even better Absolutely. than doing it at the library. I didn't, I didn't pick that up at first. So you're trained, you've been working with these kids ahead of the night of the concert to, to yes. narrate and perform this story. And then tomorrow they're going to do it for, or the, the next Thursday they're going to do it for an audience. Yeah, that is, that's incredible. Yes. That is very exciting. That. Well mm-hmm. done. Well, the best part is a couple of them actually wrote their own stories. Wow. And so, yeah. I mean, like, it's it's so good. I'm so excited for these kids. What a big, uh, that seems very Stratford, too. It seems like a... <laughs> it is. It is. We got all the dreamy yeah. kids. Oh, they yeah. were very excited. Are they, are, they cost, are they costuming and everything? Do they have dress-up? Uh, well, we, we made our own um, T-shirts. So in uh, the makerspace at Stratford, we do have, like, you know, the heat yep. press and vinyl cutters and stuff. So we designed our own T-shirts for Fright Night Ghost Story Concert. Nice. And um, so we'll be wearing That's those. That's great. All right. So that was number four, a Ghost Story Concert, which brings us to number five, Kate. So number five is a, a, you know, perennial favorite of libraries is The Haunted mm-hmm. House. And this is so great because it works on so many different levels. Um, basically, all you need is a room that you can then... So, okay, it works... How do I say it? Like, you have your team volunteers who work with you to create your haunted house, right? So you've got your peeled eye, your peeled grapes as eyeballs. You've got your cooked spaghetti as brains. Um, right. Right? And so then they set it up so that there's, like, you know, sheets draped down from the ceiling and you have to walk certain ways. And there are sound effects and people jumping out and right. I mean, and you can do it several different ways. You could have like a less scary one for the kids department for children's and have a co-sponsored program. Uh, You can have a super scary one for the local teens. It's really, you know, however you want to do it. And it's amazing because you're bringing all these skills like architectural skills and, you know, special effects skills and, you know, who's the creepiest staff member skills um, right. right. So that they math skills. I mean, math so many skills, skills right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And even like the skill of like, you know, entertaining and being on and doing a performance. Yeah. And then, you know, like, I mean, I have been at branches. We've had 300 people attend. Wow. Like it is just such a draw. People love yeah. to be scared, especially at Halloween. Some people right. so, Yes, do. I mean. Teenagers, I find, really enjoy the whole fear factor. That's true, yeah. And I feel that, you know, that is one of the best things that we can exploit to get them into the Mm -hmm. library is that we're going to terrify you. Right. Right? Um, Right. And it's fun. It's fun for everyone. Uh, I've never had a complaint about any of these programs, which is amazing. Um, I always thought the scary movie program would get, like, you know, naysayers who are like, that's, you're ruining our children. Um, never. Apparently, they're just happy that I'm terrifying them. That they're out of the Yes. And in the library. And in the library. Um, So, 
Right, and so and like, and you can make it like a themed haunted house. There's just so many mm-hmm. things you could do with it. I love in all of, in these programs that you've mentioned so far, the ones that are involving the teens as part of the programming. Yeah. You know, it's not just programming that's a- aimed at them as an end user. It's like including them in the creation of this. It just builds so much ownership and community. It really does, and I think it's super important um, for teens in the community to have a sense of ownership of their library because it is it is one of those rare spaces it's not high school it's not home it is sort of a non-space that they get to have ownership and I think that's amazing and I would have loved to have had more of that when I was growing up for sure yeah oh yeah all right so that was number five but we have a bonus a bonus number six what do we got It's just a simple Mm -hmm. bonus. Um, So I used to work at a library that was at a shared facility. So that meant that we were the public library and the school library for Mm -hmm. a high school. And usually every Halloween, either on the day of Halloween, if it landed during the week or just before, if it was on the weekend, um, basically taking the whole lunch hour and doing a Halloween celebration just for the Mm -hmm. students. Um, And honestly, it wound up being very popular with a wide range of kids doing it, number one, in what they consider their Mm -hmm. space. So, you know, they're already there. They already consider it their space. And then celebrating Halloween the way they would have done, you know, in elementary school. So, you know, we make slime. We've got a green screen photo Mm -hmm. booth with a bunch of scary backgrounds. Um, And then I pull in usually a a theme, uh, either like pumpkins was a theme one year. So we had a bunch of different pumpkin crafts. Uh, The last one I did before, you know, everything shut down was Nightmare Before Christmas. Nice. Um, Well, I actually, you know those uh, paper lanterns that you put up, like, for special events, like the big ones? I got white ones, and we turned them into Jack Skeleton heads. Nice. So, yeah, again, super easy. All you need is the lantern and then some black cardstock. And, um, again, everybody got to go home with something awesome in addition to, you know, a couple of smaller crafts. And we played the soundtrack in there. And, again, it's just a way of celebrating Halloween in a fun, friendly way and letting them know, you know, the library is your space, too. Just because you're grown up doesn't mean you can't enjoy the library and doesn't mean you can't enjoy Halloween. I'm sure there are some that you know, too cool to dress up anymore, but I hope you're never too cool to craft because dang, what a life. Oh yeah. We had so many, we had so many kids who weren't dressed up at all, just coming in to look around at what we had and you know, what they could do. And oh my gosh, the, oh, uh, my personal favorite was one year was the uh, lava lamps. Very, very simple, very simple. So uh, those little glass uh, spice shakers from Dollarama, you can get like four uh, for Mm -hmm. like two bucks. Um, You put in a little bit of water and food coloring, oil, and then you break off an Alka-Seltzer tablet. The water bubbles up through the oil, but then it comes back down because the water is going to be on the bottom, obviously, and it looks like a lava lamp. And I had so many kids do that because it's so cool looking. And if you turn on the flashlight, if you turn on the flashlight of your phone, you can put it underneath and it lights it up like a lava lamp too. Well, these were all excellent suggestions. Thank you. Top five plus a bonus. Um, I would go to almost any of these except for the movie one because I am weak. (laughs) But if you're playing Grease or Annie, I'm there in a heartbeat. So let me know. I will. Absolutely. (laughs) 
but we're not done yet, so don't go anywhere. We will be right back with our last segment of the podcast, Get to Know Your Library Person. We'll be right back. And we're back. All right, so we have 10 rapid-fire questions, which I will pose to each of you so we can get to know more about Cam and Brooke. The first one being, what is something people often get wrong about you? I think my, is that I'm like Mary Poppins, that I'm practically perfect in every way. You are. That's just not true. I'm very deeply flawed. I believe that about you. Great umbrellas though. Thank you, yes. Number two. What is the last TV show you binged and loved? Uh, definitely Sweet Tooth. Oh! Oh my gosh, so good. So good. I saw the picture for it and I was intrigued and then I never watched it. So that's good to know. You have to watch it. It's And the thing is, is that the premise, they, they don't do, a, Netflix didn't do a really good job of promoting it for what it is. It's actually a graphic yeah. novel series too. Ah. It's incredible. Okay. So good. Uh, only for adults or is it a bigger audience? I'd say bigger audience. I think probably even 10 year olds would enjoy okay. it. Good to know. Cam, what you got? I just finished season two of the British sitcom Hitmen, which is a um, oh yeah delightfully hysterical show about two women who are really incompetent hitmen. Uh, so it's Mel and Sue from the Great British Bake Off. <gasps> Sold. They are the leads and they are just fantastic. Oh, I miss them so much. That's good to know. Yeah, so. All right, next question. A concert you'll never forget. Um, you know, for me, it would have to be the first time I saw Juliana Hatfield live. Oh. Um, Juliana is a personal favorite of mine. I, I feel yes. that, you know, she has been living my life. Because mm. with almost every album that comes out, I'm like, we are on the same page here. All right. Um, next will be favorite meal. It has got to be it's this tiny little mexican place back close to my hometown it's a beef enchilada with rice and then you get fresh queso and freshly made chips that they make on the spot with like corn tortillas that they actually slice up and fry and it's just yeah mm. you had me at queso. that sounds good oh it's so good oh dang all right cam what about you mine is something that i've had in toronto years ago called mexican french toast which is um, fried apples and bananas in cinnamon and nutmeg. And then they are placed uh, in half croissant with brie and served in a raspberry sauce. Ooh. So good. That sounds incredible. And then lightly nice. dusted with icing sugar. And I learned how to make it myself. And it is one of my all-time favoritest things. It is so delicious. It just, it's a party in your mouth and everybody's invited. Let me just say, of all the people I've asked so far, the, you two are the most elaborate <laughs> meals. <laughs> I just, I just want to shout you out and, and applaud you for your very intricate demands for your favorite. Definitely a foodie. Next. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Brooke? I weirdly always wanted to be a travel agent. I know that sounds kind of odd, right. but I really love planning vacations for myself. And so I think I'd like to try that for other people. That is a, a skill. I hate planning vacations. So well done. 
I love it so much. Cam? So, I, you know, I have so many interests. I guess, like, film director. I would really like to try to direct, like, a main feature film. You know, I don't know what genre, but, like, definitely I would like to be able to create sort of that collaborative piece of art. Uh, flip side of that question, what is a profession you would not want to attempt? Brooke? Accounting. Mm. I love the definitive nature of that answer. Accounting. All right. Cam? I hear her on the accounting. I'm not a fan, and I've taken it um, and suffered through it. I, I don't, you know, another great question. I, uh, uh, probably a psychiatrist. Hmm. I... I I think I would find it very difficult to professionally listen to people's trauma and problems and then set it aside. Absolutely. It's a skill. Yeah. Although I do like watching In Treatment, even though it's a very stressful show. Yes. Yeah. All right. Next. What is your idea of happiness? Sitting on the couch, eating dinner after a long day's work, my husband next to me, and our cats flop between us while we watch Netflix. Happiness bottled. Love that, Cam. Um, a hot tub and a bag of Doritos. Flavor? Uh, cool Ranch. Spicy nacho or nothing. Okay. Well, either that oh, or no. the limited edition guacamole that comes out like once every three years. I was literally just going to say yeah. that. It is the best flavor. Is. Why is it limited? I, I don't it's know. It's so good. It's so good if you also serve it with guacamole. Because yes. you get the double guac attack. Or pico. I, I like Sure, pico sure. Pico. Yeah, but no. Ugh. Well, obviously, I'm with that. That's our that's listeners that's need to happiness. get in touch with the Dorito company. I believe it's Nabisco. And uh, let them know that guacamole Doritos should be yeah, a regular thing. And and I think Costco. I want to say Costco's the only one that carries it. Have you seen it anywhere else? I have seen it at Loblaws. Oh, you yeah. have? Okay. All right. I'll back off then. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at Kirkland Lake. Why can't you make a knockoff Dorito that's guacamole flavored? That's all I'm going to yeah. say. Anyone out there listening from Kirkland Lake affiliation, get on it. <laughs> Next up. Uh, this one... I think lends itself to this previous answer. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, and emotionally? You know, I really like it when someone, like I love covers of songs when someone has done something new and interesting. Like recently Kylie Minogue and Ben Platt did a cover of The Reflex. And mm-hmm. it, I have to say it is way better than the original. Um, wow. So I love to hear musicians or artists or like, you know, someone to take their attempt to like, you know, revision something established. Like when I was in the UK, Mm -hmm. I saw a version of Macbeth where it was done like a game show. And it was really innovative and interesting and engaging. And I thought, you know, if they had this kind of like Shakespeare in Canada, we'd have more teens Mm -hmm. interested in Shakespeare. Um, Yikes, you're really pulling no punches today. Well, there's no point. Take notes, Stratford. Yeah. So so I like to see things <laughs> revisioned, right? Like I yeah, I, like I that. love remakes. I am drawn to them. And I love covers of songs. 
I love when people like you know mash things up like Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Those that that gets me excited. Like collaborative, collaborative work. I like that. Yeah, that's great. All right, Brooke. Well, the great Sarah Grimes would call that remix culture. She would. And I would like to say remix culture for me too. Uh, but also, I mean, I I do like unexpected. Again, like really random, weird things that pop up unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Like one of my favorite things to read and watch are like, you know, whodunits where you truly don't know what's going right. to happen. And I mean, I think I can apply that to pretty much everything. Yeah. Like, did I ever expect to be a librarian in Ontario when I was, you know, 20 years old? No. But here right. I am. And I like that unexpectedness. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the flip side of that question then is what turns you off? Greed. Mm, yeah, yes. I'm, I, I, I do not like greed. I think it is unnecessary. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I just wish we could somehow eradicate it from our society. And I feel in part that it's a learned behavior. Definitely selfishness to kind of go off the greed. Yeah. That's what I would say. All right. Brings us to our last question. What is one thing you're grateful for right now? Comedy. Mm. <laughs> yes. Halloween. Yeah. Honestly, Halloween. I mean, readers, listeners can't see, but (laughs) Brooke is in costume right now. I I will post a photo on Mm -hmm. social. Uh, So you're clearly a person who's into this season. Oh, yes. I love Halloween. Every (laughs) October, I spread my love of Halloween everywhere. I always do way more (laughs) programs and events than I probably should, you know, physically speaking, but I just... I can't help it. Halloween makes me happy, and I want to share that happiness with everybody else. Nice. Are you dressing up uh, on Halloween? Uh, Not this year, since it's on a Sunday, but we do this thing where I make this really elaborate, awesome dinner. It's usually like a wild berry pork tenderloin and fried green beans and homemade rolls, and then I, I make a chocolate pecan pie. We turn off all the lights, light a bunch of candles, and watch Hocus Pocus. Wow. Okay, so Brooke, Incredible. I'm coming over. Right? We're all coming uh, Love Hocus Pocus. Brooke's, Brooke's address will be in the so show So not notes. a problem. Yes. <laughs> Cam, are you dressing up? Uh, yeah, probably. Yes, I am hosting a social um, via the interwebs on the 30th. Hmm. And what will you be dressed up as, if you don't mind sharing? I am thinking the gentleman from Buffy. Oh, okay. Because I've already got that, you know, natural dome, dome, baldiness. Uh, So I just have to apply the makeup and wear a suit. Well, I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see all of the things that you both do around Halloween. My family is uh, doing a family costume. Look out, Joel Sutherland's family. Oh, dear. Uh, We're doing Bob's Burgers. Nice. Yes, we've, we're, there's only three of us, so it will only be Bob, Linda, and Louise. <laughs> and maybe the guinea pigs will be uh, Jean and Tina. But we're very excited about that around our house. So nice. Post a photo of that in the, in the notes, too, once we get it up. Um, well, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining today. Thank you. Talking about the Child and Youth Expo that's coming up and all about the amazing programming that you've been doing. Um, I think the teens in your library systems are so lucky to have you there. And... Uh, I hope that anyone that's listening that's involved in programming reaches out if they have any ideas or questions. Yes, please. Or if you want to sh- share some programming of your own, we'd be Always. thrilled to, uh, 
to hear what you're up to. So thanks so much to the both of you. Okay, thanks. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much to Cameron Ray and Brooke Windsor. It was lovely to speak with you both. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of Library Dan Loves. Please don't forget to drop a line if there's something you want to chat about. My contact info is in the show notes. So take care, stay safe. We'll talk to you next week. Oh, my God.